Welcome to the Peak Performance Greatness Show. I'm Christopher Dedan, founder and CEO of Devian Enterprises, Inc. We are committed to optimize people's performance with tools such as peak performance speaking, coaching, and consulting programs for a worldwide international community. We believe that the only difference between where you are and where you want to be is acquiring the knowledge you need and consistently utilizing that knowledge to become a peak performing individual in every area of your life. Stick around until the end of the show where we will reveal how you can become the next guest on the fastest growing inspirational educational podcast on the planet in 20 to 30 minutes. Let's go. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Peak Performance Greatness Show. I'm your host, Christopher Dedian, and today we have Courtney uh, Lukic, which he is the founder and CEO of Gotham Public Relations, which is an award-winning communications boutique agency. Courtney, how are you doing today? Very well. Thank you, Christopher. I'm talking to you from sunny Miami. And we are going to talk about that in a second because uh, originally you were from New York. But before diving into that, I give you a small introduction of who you are and what you do. Do you mind unpacking that a bit more for our viewers and our listeners? 100%. Uh, as you referenced, we are a 20-year firm, which is a pretty tremendous accolade in the marketing, PR, and business development world. We started in New York and we have since expanded uh, our roster to include clients in 30 countries and 30 cities across the United States. So as founder, I think I lend a lot of insight to a lot of vertical industries and uh, always like to be a, a resource for entrepreneurs like you and your audience. Okay. I, I love that. And we're going to talk about a couple of things just from your, the not the transfer, but the growth from New York to Miami. And we're going to tap into that in a second, because I definitely have some questions in regards to certain exodus from certain states and going to other states in the United States in general. But before diving into that, what do you do exactly for your clients? Like you said, you have certain entrepreneur clients that you help them with their marketing, with their communication. How do you go about supporting them? Is it through like social media marketing? Is it like PR information? Is it how to uh, present themselves on the marketplace with their brand products? So what's your expertise within your agency? It's really the entire life cycle of a business, everything from startup to established companies. We work on strategic positioning. We tailor a marketing and communications program and business development awareness program with each of our clients. And again, they're highly selective. Typically, they are first in category uh, companies, brands, entities. And so, yes, we do everything from social media marketing to traditional media, working with newspapers, radio, television, um, partnership creation, uh, certainly media training, uh, helping uh, business leaders know how to interface with the media and what the merits are to engaging with the public, right? Uh, through that medium. Uh, also just uh, researching, right? The, the different segments that our clients are in and, and uh, helping position them for growth opportunities. So it's really kind of unusual. I, I would have to say most PR firms don't go heavily into the business development aspect, but I think during the pandemic, that's where we really showed our um, media muscle, right? Because a lot of media companies were scaling down or contracting, you know, very familiar having worked in so many different economic cycles, the expansion and contraction. So we really took the past two years to do a lot of innovative partnership um, creation on behalf of our clients and, and drove a lot of new um, deals and opportunities for them. 
Okay, so that, that's very interesting. So essentially what I understand is you guys are pretty much a one-stop shop for anybody starting a business or has a ongoing business that needs anything in communication, like you said, in regards to the marketing, the strategy behind it. But only that, the aspect of how to present themselves in the media in itself. And that's interesting. I want to unpack the, on the, the aspect of how to present yourself in media. What are some of the tricks, methodology that you give to anybody that's listening right now that maybe you teach to your top-end CEOs of how to present themselves, things they should say, things they shouldn't say? What are certain things that you could kind of guide us through that process if you want to be somebody in that public eye as a CEO, CFO, and so on and so forth? Yeah, great question. Uh, first and foremost, undergo media training. And that helps also with any kind of business engagement, right? Whether that's a business development meeting, a prospective sales arrangement, even hiring or retaining employees and knowing how to communicate a consistent message, right? So that's anything from the story of the firm, the value, the authenticity, right? That that particular company brand or service offers. I think it's really important to understand when you're speaking to um, different demographics or different age groups that you necessarily have to tailor the message, right? Or the presentation. So we're working now in a very multi-generational workplace and company culture. So I think it's more important than ever. So I guess my point from a PR 101 standpoint is um, that kind of preparation can prepare you essentially for everything, not just interacting with the media, right? Sometimes we even have to go in and teach um, C-level executives how to even market their companies. You'd be surprised. It's not It's not an innately understood uh, skill set. So I'm actually not surprised because like you mentioned, everybody has their skill set and marketing is a whole other thing. And if they're in a C-suite position, maybe because they're great managers, but marketing is a whole other game. So what are some of the things like we, you kind of alluded to it, but what are some of the specific things that you would suggest uh, for entrepreneurs to be aware of when it comes to being interviewed on podcasts, going on TV shows, or even just doing a publication on their social media uh, platforms? What are certain things that you tell your clients to kind of be aware of not to fall in certain uh, pitfalls or to be aware of or some certain opportunities that you want to highlight when you're speaking or so on? Yes, always being prepared, right? So forecasting ahead, uh, being aware of the the news of the day, right? That's obviously a lot of information to consume, but um, topicality, I think is always very interesting. I mean, it's very clear when you're talking to somebody who's a little bit quote unquote out of touch, right? Or, or in their own bubble. Uh, so I think it, it allows uh, sort of an accessibility and also uh, it's a form of respect, right? To show up prepared and well-researched. So I think that um, everyone in the media certainly is expected to comport themselves by those standards. So I encourage my clients, if you, know, if you wanna be in the Wall Street Journal, then you need to read the Wall Street Journal and understand the tonality versus the New York Times. And if you know anything about media, they are very different. You know, they're coming from uniquely um, different perspectives. And so being mindful of that and, and tailing a conversation accordingly, much as you would with the Financial Times, or if you're talking to People Magazine by way of, you know, very stark contrast. So um, we work with clients to kind of tailor the story or the proposition to each opportunity. For example, you're a performance coach, right? So if you're talking to Fast Company, you're going to share with them very relevant examples of case studies and people that, you know, you've helped that you've coached um, to perform at, at peak capacity. And we often act in that manner as well. I would say we're like the secret secret um, weapon sort of behind the, behind the, the C-level executive because we're, we're um, 
amping them up, motivating them and giving them so much more um, content and confidence to work with, to, to do things in a new way, right? With a fresh perspective. Okay. I, I love that. So essentially just to highlight the, the main point over here is really be prepared, but not only be prepared with the content and knowing what's happening in the world, but be prepared to who you're speaking to. Like you eloquently yes. explained if like, Hey, you, your goal is to be on a wall street journal for whatever reason, compared to the New York times, it's different approaches, different people read it. So you have to speak to the community that you want to attract hit or that you're trying to get this information across. So that's a very interesting uh, approach. So it's not just one message, but it's the one message that is tailored in a way to be more digestible for your audience. And you have to be aware what audience is in front of you. So I, I like that aspect. Uh, and another thing you had previously mentioned in regards to teaching the C-suite executives, the mission and vision. And that's something I do immensely with my uh, executive clientele, my coaching clients that are C-suites as well. And we talk about the mission and vision. And I, my personal opinion, if you're the top of the chain within the business, your job should be to really talk about the mission and vision consistently, because that's how you will attract the right people. And that's how you'll that's right. go about it. So how do you go about teaching that to your clients? Because like you said, you'd be surprised when sometimes when CEOs comes, they, they know it in their head, but it's not eloquently worded out. Is that something that you essentially do of wording out certain mission and vision and teaching them how to kind of talk about it and how to mention so they could attract the right employees, the right colleagues and right opportunities in that end? Yes, I think, you know, empathy is certainly something that I'm sure you deal with in your realm. And we certainly do with ours that uh, even if you are, in fact, the CEO of a company, I think the challenges are that much greater, right? I think people don't understand in, in various levels in the business that sometimes it can get more challenging and not less challenging, right? So I'm very empathic when I work with C-level executives to help them almost reframe the way that they're communicating, not only amongst their sort of inner circle, but also expanding way beyond that into embrace the whole company, right? Not, not operating in a vacuum or, or being isolated. And I can think of um, several organizations and, and they're quite large in scale, everything from a 200 person firm to a 2000 person firm that I liken it to sort of turning a ship um, in real time in the water to go in a whole new direction. And so that means a, a culture shift within the organization, right? So we're really talking about change management, which is a little more of a you know, sort of a business consulting term, but it really um, is important to align everybody along the same mission and that same storytelling exercise because the C-suite can't do it alone, right? It has to really be much more um, enveloping, embracing, and engaging, right? So first the audit happens internally, and then you can communicate that externally. It sounds like a tall order, and granted with the larger organizations, it's essential. When you're a small startup, that's a, that's a different vibe altogether, right? But it's also um, not trying to be all things to all people. And I would, I would point that out too, that in my practice, we're very specialized in technology and architecture and, and development that's not to say i haven't worked on a ton of like consumer brands i'm working on a tv show right now a film etc um at this point you know i can work on anything i want in my in my career but in terms of specialization i would say that that's becoming really at the forefront um i'm, I'm seeing on the business development side you know people want to go to an entity that has a very laser focus on a particular expertise uh, because there is a lot of talent out there right so that's kind of what I did. I built a niche and it is recognized the world over. So that doesn't mean we have to be big like an Edelman, you know, which is the largest firm or a WPP, which is huge in advertising. Um, 
I decided a long time ago to just be highly specialized and it has really led to the ongoing, I've never even solicited business. It's always just come to us by way of referral and because we're so specialized. So, okay. I, I love what you just mentioned. I want to highlight it for our listeners and our viewers here. I truly believe what you just said as an entrepreneur, if you want to succeed, you cannot be generalist. If you're a generalist, you're going to get certain things here and there. But if you really want to be at a high level, you have to be a specialist. And if you be a specialist, you have to be very clear and cut and precise of what is your niche. Just like Courtney, you mentioned, you could do many things within your, your industry, but you have a specialization, like you said, the architect's world or X, Y, and Z. And because you've cultivated that, every single architect that needs communications and go, hey, go check out Courtney, go check out Gautenka uh, publications because they're the ex- uh, specialist for uh, uh, architects or whatever the case is. So they're going to be able to come in so much more in that funnel in that regards, even without, like you said, doing any marketing, just word of mouth. So I truly believe that in the, on that end. Uh, my next question for you, Courtney, is like you mentioned previously in the beginning of the call, you're celebrating your 20 year in business, which is a huge feat. So you guys started in 2020, sorry, I'm talking to today. Uh, 2002. 2002 <laughs> yeah, you got to do reverse the math. Yeah. Exactly. Well, you have to reverse <laughs> it. So in 2002, you guys started and communication is something that's always been present with human beings, the homo sapiens, and something that's very uh, in, 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 in our cultures when it comes to storytelling. But I am sure in the 20 years that you have worked in the communication world, it has massively evolved. And the realization oh, yes. or the reason why it has evolved is in 2002, social media was in the beginnings of what was happening towards today in 2022, it's legit the forefront and it's the base of a lot of businesses and a lot of industries. So I want you to talk about what have you seen when it comes to the evolution of communication as entrepreneurs and businesses and so on? Oh, absolutely. I mean, this is a fascinating topic that we could, you know, have many podcasts on this topic. Branding and communications is the most important component to marketing now. I mean, this is somebody who in my first job at IBM, we were launching internet 1.0, believe it or not, and trying to describe what Bluetooth was, you know, it's radio frequency. People are like, what, how is this going to change my life? Well, fast forward to 20 years later, we (sighs) see that everything, I mean, I started working off my mobile device long before, you know, and I cut my uh, landline and all that stuff long before, because when you're an early adopter, you see, you know, where the trends are, are evolving and emerging. So yeah, I was very early to social and like a lot of um, strategists and practitioners. I mean, we saw the upside and the downside, right? Um, of that and and also keeping a foot in what, again, I referred to as traditional media, which is like the newspapers, the magazines that, you know, uh, had to obviously migrate online as well. So now that actually made our purview or our job, you know, it gave us much more um, impact to run with and to, um, amplify is a word we like to use and also to align. So, you know, we will typically have one uh, tailored program of communication for traditional media, and then we'll have a whole separate uh, campaign or program for social, right? And, and typically one reinforces the other, but I think the companies that are kind of lazy, they put the same content across all channels. You'll see it on Twitter, you'll see it on their Facebook, you'll see it on whatever, Pinterest, you know, some of these um, you know, obviously Instagram, but people stop looking if you're just not creating unique content. And so people really expect customization and um, that voice and that appearance, right? That's consistent. So if you're looking on somebody's channel and they haven't posted for, you know, say three months, you know, 90 days is like a lifetime in, in social media, then you know that that 
particular brand or entity isn't necessarily engaged, right? Um, or at least that's the perception. That doesn't mean that they're not working hard on other things, but I think uh, now people expect to be communicated in a very fluid, ongoing, in real time manner that was not the case, you know, even 10 years ago, much less 20. So, very, very interesting the evolution of the communication, like you mentioned over there, and how the consumer is becoming so much more uh, aware and seeing the differences between, hey, if I'm going here, I want a specific uh, like information. Right. If I'm going somewhere else, I want a specific information, even though it's the same person. Like if you're following this one company on Instagram, you're expecting something on Instagram and you're following them on LinkedIn, you're expecting something different on LinkedIn. Right. Correct. That same person, you are expecting different uh, nuances. So that is yeah. interesting that you mentioned that. Uh, Courtney, my, my next thing is I wanted to talk about, as you mentioned that you're growing, the business is growing and you're currently building a, uh, a subdivision in Miami, in Florida, and going from New York. First of all, tell us why did you do that? Why was there that desire to go and build in uh, Florida? Is it because there's a lot of, like we had mentioned, exodus from a lot of business people from New York, from California, and going to states such as Florida, Texas, and so on? Was that the main reason, or was already a part of your plans with the growth that you were going towards? No, it's a, it's a wonderful question. And one that I think a lot of people are having conversations around. I did it at the beginning of the pandemic. I actually was moving my family down here and I just ended up staying. Right. So not, not so much in Miami, but on the Gulf coast, you know, Florida is a very large state as is New York. And I saw a lot of my clients wanted to do business here and I'm helping them stand up their own offices, which means I have to have a presence here to support them on the development front. You know, there's a, a huge amount of, um, you know, blockchain and Bitcoin startup uh, activity here. I actually attended a conference called Pivot. You may be familiar with this series with Kara Swisher and Scott Galloway. It's great. I would encourage any entrepreneurs to start saving up a budget so that they can attend the next one. They had the first one in uh, February here and they had very high level um, presenters and guests, um, not only from the startup world, but, you know, like the CEO of Goldman Sachs was here, Frank Chesky was here for Airbnb and just talking about the landscape and what's going on, SoftBank um, VCs were here and I just got to meet a lot of people and I thought, hey, you know, this is a great time to, to be here. And I already had several clients down here. So it just seemed a, a logical uh, evolution, not, not least of which the lifestyle is great. I, I was just telling a friend of mine that my Spanish is uh, overnight, almost like just coming back to me because it's so um, international here and, and um, many Argentines and Brazilians are here because it's their winter. So literally everywhere I go, I'm speaking Spanish and it's great. It's fun. It's, it's like almost like being in another country in a way. And, it, and I love that because as a New Yorker, it's so international that I can't be sort of in a boring, quiet place. So the vitality here, I think is very stimulating. Yeah, that makes that makes perfect sense, and I hundred percent understand your your ideology and the experience of like you know having that culture. I'm actually from Montreal, so just a bit north uh-huh. of uh, of uh, New York, a six hour drive in Canada, and we're very multicultural. And there is that flavor and that joy in that regard. And I actually uh-huh. do love doing business anywhere that there is that different uh, culture aspect. Uh, in regards to that, like you were saying a lot of your clients are are going down to uh, Florida and other de- these states. Do you think it's because of the tax savings with the, the state? Is that like the main thing and everything that happened with COVID? Well, there's kind a of lot of opportunity. That? I mean, I, I don't know how recently you've been in New York and I love New York and it will be my forever first love because it's um, there's no place like it, right? There's, mm-hmm. there's no place for opportunity anywhere in the world. And I've worked everywhere 
uh, like there is in New York. But I think um, just the the constant, and again, this may be a reflection of the pandemic and things happen in cycles, but um, you know, one day things are open, the next day they're closed. And I think that it consistency, when you're trying to run a business, it, it starts to wreak havoc a bit. Um, and I, I know so many businesses that are still only working remotely. I mean, I was just uh, on the phone with a, a client friend of mine at iHeartMedia and, and she said, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, she's not even sure people are in the office full time. And um, we were talking the same thing about WPP, a, a large uh, advertising firm. I mean, at least in Florida, we can go to the office, we can be outside, we can um, interact in a way that I think we, you know, feel safe. And to me, that's kind of important to have the peace of mind. And I like to stay healthy because I have to interact with a lot of people. And so I'm not really willing to take a risk to, you know. <laughs> yeah, that, 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 makes, that makes perfect sense. And yeah, there definitely was that ideology of like Florida being a bit more open in that regard. So like you said, there's better opportunity for growth with your business. Uh, Courtney, it, now it's very obvious that you're successful just by running any business for 20 years. I mean, it's highly successful, especially being in the, in the marketing business, which is uh, quite competitive in itself. And the fact that you're succeeding and growing, and we learn a lot from people's successes, but we also learn from people's mistakes, failures, and difficulties. So my next question for you is what is something that you're dealing with right now within your business that you're having a hard time with, that you're having uh, issues with, or there's a problem in, in you're trying to solve that, uh, find a solution for that problem. So first of all, is what is that problem? And my second question towards that is how do you look about solving that problem within your business? Yeah, it's not really my problem, but it has become de facto my problem. I have a client that's been in a lengthy uh, law case. Uh, based on intellectual property. A lot of people don't realize that people who work in my industry, the media industry, we act kind of as almost quasi legal counsel because of all the due diligence that's necessary before we can, you know, print or, mm -hmm. you know, uh, even strategize or promote something, right? So in this case, I um, aligned my client with a very good lawyer and we've been working through this case in, in New York City for some time and the opposing party is just really dragging their feet. And so anytime a new motion or, you know, we've asked to settle, um, we've tried numerous, deployed different um, communication strategies. We, we took the case to the media. Of course, they don't want to talk about it until it's settled legally because of their legal standards. So um, anytime there's a new development, you know, it's kind of like we relive it all over again, even though it's been going on for three years. And so that can be kind of draining. And, and to your point, you know, what we were talking about earlier, we've literally had to sort of shift our perspective, compartmentalize it, put it in the back of our, you know, heads and just say, we have to just keep moving forward, irrespective of all the kind of drama truthfully associated with this case, um, when you're dealing with a really, uh, stubborn and, um, uncooperative uh, opponent. I mean, I think anybody else would have settled and my client is 100% in the right, but the uh, former employer, right, is um, really dragging their feet on, on something that she's, she is uh, duly owed, legally owed. And, um, you know, it's, it's upsetting and we get very involved with our clients. So, I mean, there's the coaching aspect, the performance aspect, and also the empathy um, aspect, right? Because they need somebody to talk to. If you're going through something that's completely unprecedented and you think it could even potentially wipe out your business, fortunately, in this case, it hasn't. Because again, we've done so much development work and communicated around it. But, um, you know, that's, that's, a, that's a pressure cooker for sure, right? So we're dealing with some really heavy duty, 
it's not just um, placing fun stories in, in glamorous magazines or newspapers. That's part of it, right? And I always say, when that happens, everybody wins and we all celebrate, right? But that's kind of the ice skating part. The, the hard part is dealing with human beings who sometimes get along and oftentimes are very competitive with each other. So uh, you know that as a coach, right? It's like you, you want to pump people up, but you also have to like dial them back a little bit. Like, okay, this is realistic. This is not realistic. Okay. So managing those expectations. So the, so the, the gist of it essentially is managing emotion and stress when it comes about and not only for your own business but like you said your client's business because you become so involved with these people and finances let's face it you know legal cases are very very yeah. expensive and so you know during the pandemic we gave our clients a break and we scaled back on fees which have since obviously corrected and i think i mentioned to you we signed a lot of business but i felt like we were a good partner right that we were able to do that to help get them through the the rough points of um obviously a, a unprecedented situation. Yeah, that makes sense. So Courtney, I do want to be respectful for your time here. So I just have two last questions for you. Uh, my next question is just uh, more of an inquiry. You had mentioned that you have a book coming out uh, very soon. I just want to kind of touch base on it. What is this book? What are you working on? Just so the, the audience can know and just get that uh, prepared when it's going to be launched. Oh, thank you very much for asking. Yeah, and I will make information available on my LinkedIn. Anybody who wants to, to look me up on LinkedIn. Uh, it's called Creating Significance, and it's case studies of startups, just like people in your audience, of where where these companies or brands or entities started and where they are today. So it, it goes back to that idea of authenticity and that um, significance, which is creating a lasting legacy, is different than success, right, which might be fleeting. So I think it'll be an interesting read for a lot of uh, entrepreneurs and also, you know, to help uh, ideally guide and motivate and inspire some of the, the younger or um, even more seasoned professionals who want to start a business of their own. That, that is great. And when are you estimating it to, for, for the launch date? Oh, in the, in the fall, this fall. This fall. Okay. So coming up very soon. Very good. And my last question for you is that you kind of alluded to where's the best place that our community could reach you out if they're interested in potentially working with you and finding out more uh, how you could support them. Where's the best place that they could contact you? And sure, just, they can uh, look up our website, which is just gothampr.com. Gotham is another word for New York City, for those of you who may or may not know that from Batman. And um, yeah, LinkedIn is, is always a, a great professional uh, resource. And, you know, I answer every email. I see everything. I don't use an assistant to go through my communications. So if people have questions, I'm happy to help and answer them. I love that. And I love the fact that, first of all, by the way, guys, everything's going to be in the show notes below. So everything she mentioned will be there. Uh, I love the fact that you highlighted the Gotham thing. I wanted to ask you that question because when I saw it, I'm like, oh, this is pretty cool. I'm like, I'm guessing, I'm hoping that she's like a, a you know, like a Batman fan or if not, like this has kind of just happened perfectly. But yeah, Gotham being the city in Batman, which refers to never mentioned, but it refers to New York City. So I love the fact that you kind of alluded to that uh, during the conversation. Uh, so Courtney, it was a true pleasure having you on the show. Thank you very much. Congratulations for all of your success. And we'll definitely be speaking very soon. Thanks, Christopher. Appreciate it. Christopher Dedan here. Thank you so much for listening to the Peak Performance Fitness Show. If you're a successful entrepreneur or entrepreneur who would like to be on this program, please visit our website at peakperformancegreatness.com. If you got something out of this interview, would you share this episode on social media? 
Just do a quick screenshot of your phone, text it to a friend, or post it on the socials. If you know somebody that could be a great guest, please tag them on social media to let them know about this program and don't forget to include the hashtag Peak Performance Greatness. I love seeing your posts and guest suggestions. We regularly put out new episodes and content. To make sure that you don't miss any episode, go ahead and click that subscribe button. Your thumbs up, rating, and review go a long way to help us promote this show and it would mean a lot to me as well as my team. You want to know more? Go ahead and visit our website at peakperformancegreatness.com or follow me on LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, or my YouTube channel at Christopher Didier. Thank you for listening. We will see you next time. Have a blessed and grateful day.